Mexico uh, goes into uh, becoming front page news with uh, elite Alec Baldwin. Alec the Bully Baldwin. Yes. Uh, Alec the, uh, the the gun the, the gun owner hater Baldwin. The unbelievable Alec always the righteous Alec Baldwin. Wanting to kill people and attack people and hurt people. And, you know, loudmouth. You know, in film, you gotta realize, I say what I want. You know, I've always been a free spirit. But in the film game, like on online, like on Facebook, the film people never say anything about anything. And you know what's wrong with them? They're all playing a fucking game. And the game is, I'm not going to be honest about anything. I'm not going to talk about anything controversial. Because I just want everyone to like me. I want to get my next deal. If I say the wrong thing, I might not. All you, all you people playing that game, let me explain something to you. First of all, you're, all you're, you're, you're not helping yourself by being a slave. And by being feeble-minded. 
And when you uh, talk, you're political correct and, you know, not wanting to offend anyone, ease. You, you look like a blithering idiot. And why would anyone hire you for that? All right. Arnold, just a side note. You know what I mean? Just like I had to leave the New Mexico film group. They were, they were just all about politicizing this issue and, 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 and talking about guns and using that, the poor uh, woman, the, the, the brilliant cinematographer who was uh, on her way of you know, doing, it, doing it the system way, you know, not indie, doing it the, uh, the system way, moving into stardom. The, the, the next film after this uh, cheap, low-budget... Uh, I understand what happened here, so I'm going to go have some notes. But just so you know, it's like when you see the film people, they never say anything political, okay? They're never going to say anything against anyone. Like They, they won't speak out for the, um, the, uh, um, the cinematographer that got killed on the set. Instead, they're going to politicize. You know, I just, I just get tired of it. They're not going to give their opinion as to... Um, you know, uh, and they're not going to impute any any kind of morality to it. They're going to let the gun grabbers go do their, you know, their kind of Democrat thing. And, um, you know, make it into a Democrat talking issue or whatever, or a left-wing talking issue. And, um, you, you know, it's it's sickening. It's, you know, to politicize either way, right or left. When, when all you have to do is say a few words. Do you, you know, do you... Obviously, it's a great tragedy... And the only thing that people have to figure out is, you know, at this point, is wait for the investigation to figure out, you know, how did Alec Baldwin get his hands on a gun? You know? And you, you know, and I'm, you know, I just apologize for the film community. They just, they're, they're just going to be absent on this issue because they don't want to say anything against Alec. And they don't want to say anything against, jump in the gun. They don't want to say anything against anyone. And that's just the way they are. And um, I think it's probably because, you know, uh, when you speak truth, and when you have courage, they might not hire you. They prefer cowardly slaves in Hollywood or whatever. And that's enough of that. I mean, I'm sorry about that, but that's, you know, that's each one of you has to make up your own mind as to uh, whether you're going to be... You know, no, I don't, I don't, you know, I have um, respect for people that, that speak their minds, even if I don't agree. I have respect for people that will take a position on an issue, even if I don't agree. I have respect for people that, that might, um, well, you know, I mean, at this point, anyone that is real puts themselves at risk for not being hired. So I... I uh, I don't have much in the way of. Uh, I mean, I'm not against it. It's your choice. You know what I mean? It's your choice. I just know too many people, and I'm friendly, you know, with them, and and uh, you know, I'm not holding it against anyone. I'm just noticing it. I mean, maybe it doesn't matter for me. But when I was 25, well, when I was 30, I was hustling around for work and screenplay work. Man, I my mouth was flying. I mean, yeah, doing drugs and you know, drink. I was very, very emotionally upset and unhappy and, and traumatized. 
and living in a in a in a fake world, which I'm going to get into later. But you know, nobody held their punches back then. You're up at the bar, you belly up to the bar. Everybody's got a deal, you know, the way it was then. All everyone at the bar is a producer, and everybody's got a deal with like Universal Output Deal or some kind of deal with Warner Brothers or something. They all have a deal, right? And um, they all have these cars, like they live in shitty apartments but have this nice car, and they're all trying to score. And um, you know, none of them are good. They're good for nothing. They're not doing anything. You know, what I mean, the real world of uh, uh, you know, film production is can be very varied and very dicey and very, uh, very, uh, very frightening. In fact, I would say that the world of film production, especially like this one, Rust, and I remember the project Rust. I remember reading about it before. I remember it's been around for a long time before it finally got launched. And it got launched because of Alec Baldwin's money. He he was the one that put the money into it, but then he decided to go union. Right? Because that's the only way he could film in New Mexico at but uh, at, you can't film at Bonanza Creek. It's all kind of, you know the whole film industry of New Mexico is is, is shot. You know what I mean? It's completely overrun with, with you know, politics and you know, the governor and, and you know the, the whole mask hysteria and, and political correctness and it just it, it's just it's a it's as usual when new mexico gets something good going on like film production you know we live on a film set we live on an old uh on a, on a, on a, in a film ranch movie ranch that was subdivided um at one point by the family when the old man died eves he died and then there's a, the kids uh subdivided it and they sold little parcels to people, but they were like Nazis. They didn't want you to have more than two toilets, and you know what I mean. They just—they were just—they didn't want you to have a pool, for example. You know, there were all these restrictions. You know, trying to make it, you know, uh, pure and, and, and you know, and uh, uh, pure with the world, and uh, you, you know, uh, uh, you know, not taking up a, having a big carbon footprint and you know all these things and then they got old and died off but i mean they were all a bunch of hypocrites as well it it's it's amazing that um and to this day that neighborhood has remained the same we've had a real estate boom and it hasn't moved the needle at all and it's because of the restrictions that were put on there that it could not enjoy any kind of uptick Along now the real estate boom is over, but I mean when it was booming just recently, it didn't. It, it's like if you look at Zillow, it's like the same price it was, you know, fifteen years ago. And it's all because they shot themselves in the foot. This is typical New Mexico. This is what I am talking about. Now with film production boom comes, Netflix buys a studio in Albuquerque. They got the I twenty five studios going. They got a new studio out by the prison on the 14, and they got all these opportunities going, they're booked around the clock, and booked by big studios, Amazon, Netflix, and, you know, you name it, you know, and, uh, and, the, and the big, and the bigs, and, um, somehow, and I've been on the New Mexico Film Group, like I said, I had to quit, because it, it's really basically an extension of the Democrat Party, that's all it is, it's, no, seriously, that's all it is, and, uh, you know, fuck these people that are 
trying to make film into something political. How dare they? You know, where we're living right now, you had people like, you know, you, you, you know, you had, you know, John Ford making movies. You had people like, you know, uh, you, you know, you had, you had some of the classic, uh, you know, players in Hollywood be riding horses and stuff in the New Mexico, uh, you know, wilderness, you know, what that was a movie ranch. Uh, these guys have been through World War Two. You know what I mean? They were tough. They'd been through hell. They were, um, you know, what I would say called patriotic in the sense of, um, you know, for America and for American audiences. And they, they, they were wanting to make, you know, good movies for the public, the public, not left or right or some other kind of politically, you know, some kind of moron thing. They wanted to make <clears throat> films for the public to enjoy and did and were successful. And there's movie ranches like, you know, there's some out in, um, you know, California, you know, there's some out in, you know, like in, in uh, you know, Santa Clarita, different, different uh, places. There's some in Arizona. <clears throat> there's some in um, Texas around Austin. There's some in, uh, you know, there's some in Georgia. And, uh, yeah, that was a thing. It wasn't, you know, the, the, based on, the political correctness of the crew or the, you know, that, that how, you know, how woke the production was or how, you know, or, or any other kind of artificial means at influencing, whether it be personnel, casting, whatever. It's, it's like in New Mexico, if you don't have the right political bent, meaning you're not, you know, basically brainwashed, you're not working. And I, I, it was either I was going to make a stink over there and get myself kicked out or, you know, and tell these people they all suck to take this woman's life and make it into some political rally or just leave, you know, and just, they're just a bunch of dumb shits, just leave. But here's the end result of it all. New Mexico is going to lose film. It's going to lose. This is the curse of New Mexico. Every time something good happens, somebody ruins it. And, you know, I, I would say that the film thing is just going to be a stain on this thing. You know, there'll be the ghost of ha uh, Helena Hutchins or whatever. I'm not sure I'm pronouncing her name right. But, you know, there'll be her ghost and the, the stench of it. And, you know, there'll be, again, they'll be turning it into a gun a gun um, thing that we shouldn't have guns. We shouldn't make movies with guns in them. Or the guns should all be fake. Um, uh, because somebody screwed up. But I can tell you what was happening on the set. See, this is my contribution. And uh, no, 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 it's okay. You know what I mean? It's, you know, you, you know it's truth when I say that a lot of you people are just, you know, using Facebook and Twitter to just, like, blow smoke up each other's asses. I mean, you understand that, right? I mean, that's what you're doing, isn't it? Why get mad at me for pointing it out? I'm just the messenger here. You know, I'm the prophetic voice. I'm the voice that's going to give you the predictions of what's going to happen. And I can tell you right now, this Alec Baldwin thing is not going to go the way that uh, logic would say an investigation. Obviously, a wrongful there could be a civilian wrongful death charge. There could also be a manslaughter charge based on the uh, you know you know if 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 Baldwin knew anything about the gun. I can tell you the mood of the set. Listen. 
you guys don't know the half of it. Everything they're writing in the papers right now and every and all all over the internet is wrong. Okay, I just listened to one that uh, our friend Pia sent us a uh, a good one. I can't remember the guy, but he brought up some good points. But even he didn't understand the. Uh, so I have to weigh in on on my particular area of expertise. There's some good commentators out there. I don't mean to say there aren't. Nobody's missing the boat. Everyone has their own angle. But my opinion, my speculation is, they were in big trouble. And I mean in a financial way. Because I understood now. I found out the scope of the of the production. How much money they had. Baldwin was producing... And he was putting the money up, and, and you know, he he and his crew were paying, you know, paying people for a three-week shoot. And you know, that's a low, that's low, low budget. I mean, you know, people usually do, you know, they're going to do twelve weeks. You know, they're going to do, you know, a three-month shoot. You know, and just work on little details. That's why the Hollywood movies look so smooth. You give enough time, you can make everything look like a masterpiece. You know, but three weeks is not enough time to do that. So it's a low-budget film, but somehow he was using these, you know, union crews and they're going to do the whole woke PC thing. They want someone there to observe. Listen, on our film, on Girl Next, we have the same problem. We had a crew that was like wanting to run the show. You know, and then eventually they started inserting themselves into like when we had a nude scene with one of the actresses, they wanted to put extra bubbles over her tits to make sure the camera didn't see her nipple which we eventually had to peel away in, in VFX later. It cost us a fortune to be able to reveal the nudity of the girl, which was part of the part of the scene. It was not exploitative at all, but they were inserting themselves into it like that. And, um, you know, I, I guess we sort of... Why we put up with it was because we had no time left, because we were up against the clock... The crew knew it, and they're getting ready to squeeze us. And we had, you know, we're independent. We have, we don't have a big cash of money to pay for extra days or anything else. We, we had a deadline to get out of that studio, and it was coming up in a couple of days. And they started in with all that kind of stuff, and eventually, they did what they did, which is um, um, ridiculous. One of them came up to me during the shoot and said, "You know, if there's ever a problem with the movie, it's always above the line." Well, I'm above the line as a producer. So, I mean, it's always our fault. And I'm like, that's what abusers say to their victims. It's always your fault. And so, but anyway, these guys have always already gotten to the point of, uh, you know, regulating the, the set with the safety precautions. Well, that's just another way to control it. So I know what happened. Baldwin got behind money. He was losing money. And he was desperate. He's also trying to act in it. Not the main actor, but he was like the, what he was like the, the, I guess he was one of the main actors. Yeah. So he's trying to act and finance it and produce it at the same time and be the boss because he's the boss. Okay. Buck stops with him and the crew walked out. I said, did you hear me? I said, the crew walked out already. He was having to scramble around to try to find some people. The camera crew walked out, but she was still hanging around. 
but her whole crew walked out. The you know the the camera crew, you know the gaffers and the you know the, the lighting people, you know the 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 various departments, electrician, and so they all walked out because they were violating. Okay, check me now. I'm gonna tell you the truth. They were violating electric uh, electrical, um, you know, uh, uh, COVID nineteen restrictions. They were brushing them off like indie films would do, being that they're independent, being that they're renegades, being that they're free, being that they're trying to do something the big studios can't do. So they're they're apparently brushing off the restrictions for COVID, but you've got other restrictions. Apparently, they <clears throat> walked out because they were not following restrictions for firearms. Well, that was all added as testimony later after the shooting. They mentioned the firearms. The bottom line is the crew mutinied and threw the film Rust into complete um, death spiral. In the desperation of that, and I and I'm... I could see that Alec Baldwin may have been, you know, you know, begging the DP to stay, you know, the the, 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 the woman to stay, begging the producer, you know, having a discussion with the producer and the DP of what can we do to keep this film going because otherwise we're going to lose the whole movie. And everyone loses, including the cinematographer. Because she is a liaison between the crew, i.e. the laborers, who move stuff around for her, and, but she's also a principal and above the line, you know, she's the photographer, right? Just like being the actor. So she's there in the meeting and, and, you know, I'm it, the, the kind of way that you feel number one, number one, the biggest mistake they made was going in for a three week shoot on a really low budget movie using union people. That's number one, because these union people they don't care about your budget. They don't care about you. They just care about their rules. That's all they care about. They don't care about the film. It's a big film. They, oh, they want it to look great, another Spider-Man or something. But technically, they don't care. Okay? They're like, oh, he didn't, he didn't require us to have masks right there. I can't believe it. I think we should walk out. Well, we can only threaten to walk out so many times. Apparently, they threaten to walk out every day. They walked out in the middle. They were in week. They were halfway through the shoot. They had three weeks. So in week number two, toward the beginning, like Monday or Tuesday is the time for the insurrection, always. And they mutinied. And they overthrew the show. And then they had demands that the producer and the cinematographer try to negotiate with Alan Baldwin. Maybe he grabbed this gun in, off the table Here's speculation in anger and just like thought he was because he because they were going to ruin his picture. You know what I mean? He wasn't going to get it finished. And, you know, because no one would like fake shoot somebody. He probably grabbed it like, fuck you, you know, bam, bam, you know. Gosh. And uh, but it had a live round happened to be a real antique gun, you know, a powder and ball gun. OK, so it, it had one round, it had one, I guess, one round, I guess. I, I, it, uh, you know, it was an old West gun, you know, that was still loaded. And it should have been um, dealt with. But, you know, the safety crews had walked out. Uh, I didn't hear much about, um, you know, hair and makeup, but I believe they probably walked out as well, you know, in solidarity with their union brothers and sisters, 
and they basically were going to, you know, shut it down. Three-week shoot, they weren't getting paid enough. They also were angry about not getting paid enough. All this comes out if you read the mainstream articles. You can glean these. See, the reason they're important to me is because I've gone through this now twice. And, I'm well, more than that, I've gone through it four times in my life. And uh, it's not pleasant, um, you know, where it's this low-budget thing and you're running things, trying to make it look as good as possible. I prefer collaboration with <clears throat> a big studio unless unless you're not able to get your vision because there's, they're, 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 you know, which nobody would let us do Girl Next. You know that. I mean, so, but we did it. But see, the reason that we succeeded is because we went completely non-union, including the actors, including everybody. You know, we were basically went and made an independent movie. And the problem was, was we hired this Austin crew who were used to doing things the right way or whatever, and they were completely pretty much incompetent. You know, they didn't know what they were doing. And um, they acted like they did, but they really didn't. And, and they wouldn't take direction. And they wouldn't take criticism. They wouldn't take any any kind of, um, you know, they were like, well, we are sol in solidarity. We run the show. We we finally got our mutiny on, I think, probably on the last day. They tried to stage some kind of walkout or whatever. But we, we got, uh, but they, they uh, but see, because we're not totally union, other people, of course, crossed the line. We had our DP, we had our producer, we had me, we had. Trish, we had all these people that were like for Larry getting the last of his night shoot. Yep. And he got everything we needed. I mean, we thought we needed more. But once we got in the editing room, we realized we had everything we needed. And actually, we had too much. We had we shot too much footage. We shot a month's worth of footage in like two and a half weeks because we, we worked every day. Um, so the crew was against the movie in, in our case. But because we... First of all, we're good negotiators. We were able to keep the thing on 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 tap, even though they they became completely exasperated by the by the last you know twenty four hours or so. But we kept it on the line and got everything done. And they reluctantly did everything you know we asked for, and then we had to start improvising because they were not providing certain props they promised and things like that and. We can't have, they took a car away, and then I had to go rent one, which was great, because it improved the whole characterization of the sheriff, and, you know, all, all kinds of things like that happen, and what we're looking at is um, the veiled threat that I got from uh, some jerk uh, was, was basically, um, you know, we determine whether you're going to finish your feature or not. And none of these films that these crews work on ever do anything unless they're put there by a big company like a Netflix or something like that. But you know what I mean, where they where they need crew. But none of these little films this crew ever works on ever ever actually gets out of Austin. I mean, very few. And there's a reason for that. Just like there's a reason that Alec Baldwin's picture was in not just disarray, but but you know the apparently the vibes were so bad. On Bonanza Creek, we missed it all, Trish. It's Bonanza yeah. Creek is where we live, you know. So the vibes were so bad. Uh, you can just imagine that 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 last uh, scene that you know, sitting there with. Uh, and no, I don't think that Alec was rehearsing uh, for the camera with the producer standing behind. Uh, I don't think that was happening. Okay, 
I'm pretty sure that wasn't going down like that. I'm pretty sure he was all, you know, he took on too much being the boss, the main producer, the exec producer, the, the line producer, pretty much. I mean, I know he had producing staff, but I mean, he would, you know, buck stops with him. And he saw his investment going down the tubes as an executive producer, as an investor, because he was the main investor. So he saw that going down the tubes. And it, it make, can make a person completely nuts. I mean, you either adapt, like, I mean, I, I, I don't want to do, um, you know, like an indie, you know, low-budget film. Again, I'd like not to, unless there's unless it's like a documentary type of thing. You know what I mean? Just just for me, just thinking ahead, you know, I need I like to have the money and the time and the space to let real good artists do their thing, you know, to really bring it home. And to really shine, and uh, that's what I'm good at, is encouraging other people to shine. That's why I'm, I'm good at the producing thing. So, and then of course we had Larry, who was like, and we were we had the Lord. We were praying every day, and and just like you know, just like with this thing, they weren't praying. We were praying every day, and somehow we got our shoot. And now, um, you know, Girl Next has. I think something like on IMDb is like 28, uh, 20, 28 awards and 27 nominations because we're able to have our festival season globally, you know, around the world. And they, they can appreciate the, uh, the uniqueness of Girl Max. They like the, the originality of it, I think, is, you know, and the, the, the free spirited nature of it. And, the, you know, some like the depravity of it, but... Um, we're not exploiting depravity. We're just saying there is depravity in the world, and it is matter of fact. We're not saying, oh, look at this depravity. Oh, 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 my God. You know, and we're not doing that. And that makes it even more disturbing, I think. But, but whatever the reason, I don't know what the reason is why they like it, but they like it. They like it more so in um, foreign territories. So far, it's eh, about 50-50. But in mainstream territories in the U.S., they, they have... Uh, rejected it a, a lot of times for political correctness because they say it's it's against the woke. Mm-hmm. It's not woke enough, is what I hear. Mm-hmm. It's scary to them because they don't want to be canceled. But everywhere else in the world, Brazil, Spain, we just won for uh, Colin McGinnis, the uh, the great composer, uh, and we're we're all fans of Colin. Like we hunted him down. I remember we found him and. And he certainly deserves it. But I also have a couple of songs on the soundtrack, you, too. Uh, and you, I need to... I need you to found him uh, when you were cutting the, cutting the trailer. The teaser. The teaser. The teaser. And, and Larry used uh, some music from the Universal um, Music UK. You know what I mean? Where you can... If you want to have a track, you can pay so much money for the track and have the use on that teaser or whatever. So we use him. And I said, well, why not just... If that's what the music we want, why don't we just look him up? You know, I remember yeah. that I, I there's a composer I actually loved back in L.A. I wish he had well, wishes. Eh. There's a composer back in L.A. Um, and uh, fairly famous guy, and he had a record out that I just really love called. Uh, World Without Rules. I forget, I forget his name now. He was one of the members of, uh, I think, Tangerine Dream, you know. 
Um, anyway, you know, I thought back then, I thought, well, you know, uh, uh, let's see if I can get his name right. Paul Hasslinger, yeah, Paul Hasslinger, the German guy, okay. So, what I did is I, I, uh, you know, I, I emailed him one day, and it was just having email, it was just starting up, and I said, <laughs> you know, I'm very unhappy with the score, and, and you know, the, the main thing is I never really got to finish the the film that I did called Dementia, which it's, it, you know, there's a version of it out there, but the, the soundtrack, I, I hate it. I actually just hate it. And uh, it did launch a couple actors into fame. But I just hate the, you know, I wanted to, I had I just done it the way I wanted to do it. I was going through some problems, you know. Just one more time, interruptions. And uh, I didn't get the soundtrack. And then, you know, to, to really drill the lesson home, I emailed him and I said, well, you would have been my first choice, I said. You know, and, he, and, he, and I explained to him what I, you know, paid the other composer, what I would have paid. He said, I would have done it for less than that, he said. Oh. And right now, I'm just dying inside. I feel like daggers are sticking me in the stomach. And, I, and he said, never assume that somebody, even if they're, you know, semi-famous, isn't going to want to work on your movie. You know, if I like it, I'd work on it. I'd give you a good deal. And I know he would have been perfect for it. We, all the uh, temp track music we used to try to, you know, sell the trailer and get you know, do a teaser and that kind of stuff, we used his music, not the composer we had. The guy that we had, you know, was just, you know, he, he was just lost. <laughs> That's all I can tell you, he was lost. But it was my fault. Buck stops with me. You know, he wasn't uh, the right guy. Anyway, back to Baldwin's movie. Um, so he's, you know, a bully. He's a political bully, yelling at people that have guns, they should never have a gun, or people that have a gun should be killed. He said that, stuff like that. Really inflammatory, <laughs> ugly things he said in public. And he just gets away with it. And you should see, even on like Facebook today, there's not one film person that I know even mentioning it. Bunch of pussies. I mean, amazing. So, you know, that they're not going to get any, any leverage with me. I, I know. They'll just say, well, you know, you don't, you know, you, you're, 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 you're uh, you know, you're not looking forward to having a career or whatever. And we are. So we have to mind our P's and Q's. I'm like, well, then what good is life if you have to mind your P's and Q's so that you, you know, to make sure you get that job. <laughs> and, you know, it's even affecting their mind. Like they're starting to recommend films like there are people in the horror film business I've known for many years. They're starting to recommend, like, Disney-type horror films. You know, they're starting to, like, get soft, where they used to be, you know, blood and gore and all this stuff. Now it's, you know what I mean, safe. And you see, it's affected their brain, this political correct, you know, being afraid to say what they think. So I'll say it. Baldwin's a bully. I, I think there may be some merit to the idea that it was an accident. Some people are trying to say he intentionally shot the DP because... Her crew walked off. His film was ruined. He had a motivation. They ruined his film. They ruined his film. They ruined Alec Baldwin's film. And they said to him, you either comply 
with this COVID restrictions and with the, with the gun thing and this thing and that thing and every other thing they demand and pay us more money or we're walking out permanently and going to sink your movie. Okay, that's what happened. And he got mad. And he shot her. Because she was in charge of the camera crew. See, people don't put two and two together. In the new, I know I'm meandering around and wandering around, but I'm, you'll get the truth out of me eventually. Um, when you read these articles, go back and read the uh, USA Today, and you read, just start kind of pitching it, putting them together, stitching them together. You'll see the camera crew walked out. They're IATSE, you know, union. They walked out. Well, if the camera crew rocks out, you can't shoot any scenes. She can't shoot a scene on her own, standing behind the camera. She can't operate the camera. Uh, she needs, you know, focus and, 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 and lights. And, you know, you need you can't just shoot the camera like a like a video camera. So, you, you know, um, you, you know they, they had him by the balls. You know, and um, whether he was mocking it and just shooting like, you know, didn't think it was loaded and he, he just shoot him to make a point like he thought the blank would go off. Like, fuck you. You know what I mean? Trying to make a point. I mean, they had him in a corner. Look, in a movie that, that Alec Baldwin is financing and he makes the mistake of going union... He makes the mistake of using Bonanza Creek as a location. He makes the mistake of using people in New Mexico. He makes the mistake of going to New Mexico. Once he puts the, the boss hat on, you know what I mean? Once he's got that boss hat on, okay, that, that, that's the end of the good relations with the crew. That's it. He's now the enemy. And I, I just know that it's a, it was a, a Captain Quig type of thing. You know, uh, I'm, I, I can see Captain Quig. I can see a, a movie about this starring Humphrey Bogart. <laughs> you know, it's not funny. I mean, the man, he's a bully, so he's probably a mama's boy. And he's probably going through hell right now. Because, yeah. uh, you know, his you know career is pretty much over. I'm just trying to explain to you the way this, why we had to go to Serbia to make a movie. Because there, the crews are. What, do we take advantage of? No, heck, no. They all collaborate. They're wonderful. They're they're a team. We're a team. We're working together, doing something great together. And you'll see the the movie shows it too when we get Quantum Devil up and running. You'll see the movie actually shows that kind of quality and that actually it shows love. The movie to me is isn't it? Don't you get like a kind of a love vibe? Oh, you're watching it. And there's this vibe off it that's very pleasant. Yeah, and, and Girl Next has a trauma vibe, which is basically um, kind of like what we went through. Same thing, but you see, the advantage we had was this, in both cases. And I'm not saying we want to keep doing this. We'd love to go legit and work with SAG and work with, you know, but we don't want to be, you know, at gunpoint. That's why we need somebody between us and the crew. We don't want Larry or me or somebody to have to be going head-to-head -head with these people because... They get an idea they're going to walk out, and by Jove, they just walk out, and there goes your budget. Now, the budget, you're talking about, you know, tens of thousands of, on a budget like this. I mean, let's say that he had $2 million to do a three-week shoot. Okay, a guy like that would have $2 million, so let's say that's what he did. Um, that means 
And let's say those funds were for production. Yeah, had 2.1 million for a 21 day shoot, let's say. You know, so you're you're at what, like 100,000 a day type of thing, right? You see, so you can't just have people walk out. If you lose a couple hundred grand, you're you're screwed. Just imagine that they walked out. Imagine this: the other crew walked out. Imagine this: the crew that was supposed to be minding the the COVID restriction, <laughs> COVID restrictions still in New Mexico, uh, they were nowhere to be found. And the gun handlers, they were nowhere. Everybody walked out. So somebody left a gun somewhere. I'm just assuming he's not a psychopath and he didn't kill somebody on purpose. Uh, if that's the case, then there's a live gun that was we used that they didn't know was loaded because it's a ball and powder. It's, yeah. a, it's a powder gun. So that means somebody loaded it 20 years ago or something. You know what I mean? It's like probably in an old Western or something where they were using a live round and, and nobody really checked it. So the gun, you know... How, how long before this incident happened did the crew walk off? The crew had been already walked off. I mean, look, the, 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 um, the, they, they, well, let me get an, let me get an exact answer for you, okay? Um, and, and I think he's going to get off on this. I, I actually think that, um... It's definitely a homicide. It's, but I think it's manslaughter because I don't think he knew... I think he intended to shoot it at them and shoot a blank because he's mad. But Remember, he's, he's mad. A, he's he's a mad. Blank. If you aim a blank at somebody, you could kill him. Well, yeah, okay. Uh, but, I mean, I, I think he knew that it had, uh, you know, at least a blank round in it. Um, Gosh. Uh, he, they're not going to let him go. They're, this is, is going to be. a psychopath. Well, well I, yeah, he's a big bully. He's a big mouth. Yeah. He's you know, and nobody that I know will criticize him because they're all cowardly, and they're scared of him. Same thing with Jesus. They're like you know Jesus on, on a good day where everyone's a believer. Then oh yeah, I'm with Jesus. <laughs> um, I'm I had that information earlier about exactly how many how long because like I say if each day is a three. If it's a three-week shoot, and let's say it's two. I'm guessing it's a two million dollar production shoot, and then post would be added, maybe a three million dollar production for a three-week shoot, going all union, you know, SAG, and you know. But going all union, I mean, that's that's right there. That's if that's if, if he's having to write the checks out of his personal account, and they walk out, and I know why they walk out because he's a big bully. He's a big bully, and he's and, and, and this is in respect to the crew now. He's a big bully. He's he's barking at the crew. He's barking at the crew. How dare you do this? I'll get you. I'll, I'll I'll screw you. I'll make sure you never work again. Okay, that's probably what Baldwin's saying to them, and they're they're saying we've warned you again and again, Baldwin. We're walking off. Yeah, but you'll sink the movie. Then nobody gets anything. We don't care. Okay, so that's. The deal that nobody else is really talking about. They're not going into that part of it. And they won't because I know the crew, when they're interviewed, they're all going to line up and say the same story. None of them are going to say what actually happened. They're going to lie. Oh, no. The crew members that were present at Bonanza Creek Ranch 
said that day that they were particularly concerned about two accidental prop gun discharges on Saturday. Baldwin's stunt devil accidentally fired two rounds Saturday after being told the gun was cold. Lingo for a weapon that doesn't have any ammunition, including blanks. Uh, there should have been an investigation to what happened, said the crew member. There were no safety meetings. There was no assurance that it wouldn't happen again. All they wanted to do was rush, rush, rush. Okay, now, okay, what that tells me right there, okay, they're, they're buried in the production. They've fallen behind. They've fallen behind. With a new DP like her, um, just taking the reins for the first time or the second time, whatever. Yeah, we're, we're, you know, we're, uh, there are people milling about. With a new DP like her, if she's not able to make up time, you know how we had to fire a DP. So with a DP, a DOP, Director of Photography, when they're losing time, okay, a lot of times a DP might be really, really talented, but they just don't move fast enough. They really don't have command over the crew. Yeah, we had to fire a DP. Right we had to fire a DP, a good one, right off the bat um, in Girl Next, and then and then had to fly one in, uh, guy in from uh, Spain. But look, the, the thing is, is that you can tell by this, rush, 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 they said. They were behind, okay? And um, then I could go on through this, uh, the, you know, the safety of our cast and crew is the top priority of Rust Productions and everyone associated with the company. Of course they'd say that. Um, on Thursday, the camera showed up for work as expected at 6.30 a.m. and began gathering up the gear and personal belongings to leave. One, one knowledgeable crew member told the Times to leave. This is MSN News. On Thursday, the camera crew showed up for work as expected at 6.30 a.m. and began gathering up gear and, and personal belongings to leave. In other words, they're going to take the, you know, and I, I almost feel like saying an F-bomb. I know I'm going to stop myself. They're going to take the frickin' camera. Guys, listen. They were going to shut on Thursday. Now, remember, they got another week and a half to go. On Thursday, they showed up for work, but instead of working, they broke down the gear. Trish. Sounds familiar. Yeah, but what I'm saying is, do you see this? Yeah. Nobody is understanding this. The shooting began on October 6th, and members of the low-budget film said they had been promised the production would pay for their hotel rooms in Santa Fe because they didn't want to do a 50-mile drive to Albuquerque. That's understandable. That's a long drive. Yeah. They should have been put up in the hotel to begin with. They shouldn't have to drive 50 uh, you know, miles. But if so, there should have been a shuttle that would take them back, uh, the, you know, a little bus to take them back to Albuquerque. But Baldwin didn't provide it because he's Mr. Cheapo. Okay. So here we start to see the real problem. And this will go to the crew. In other words, you know, it's very understandable the crew, the crew deserves. Listen, when we put the crew up, we put them up with the same hotel as the actors. We put them up in the you know, the the, um, the Holiday Inn West, and then we had a, a, a bus that we rented, we like drove, a really big van. We drove by it the right, other day. Right, right. We, we had a really big van, and we would pick them up at the hotel, bring them to the set, 
and then take them back or take anyone back and forth that needed to go back and forth. Uh, it wasn't that far of a drive, but I mean, that's just, you know, see, we had that. I already knew you need that. I, I didn't want people driving three miles at night or whenever it was. It's great to pile in the van and go home and, you know, get dropped off at the door and go to your room or whatever you're going to do. So um, they didn't even have that. The crew had to drive. Okay, so that's a huge, huge error on, on Baldwin's part right there. Um, she was advocating for safer conditions for her team, but meanwhile, the team had walked out, said one crew member who was on the set and was tearful when the camera crew left. Uh, yes, w was tearful when the camera crew left. As the camera crew, members of the International Alliance of Theatrical Stage Employees, that's, you know, IETC or whatever, spent about an hour assembling their gear at Bonanza Creek Ranch. Several non-union non-union crew members, here's interesting, showed up to replace them. Well, that's not going to go down well. No. So suddenly we have non-union people replacing the camera crew. One of the producers ordered the union member, and, and that, that also goes for PAs, you know, production assistants and, you know, general, general people. One of the producers ordered the union members to leave the set alone threatened to call security and remove them if they didn't leave voluntarily. In other words, they were breaking the, the, the gear down and the producers ordered the union members to leave the set and leave it alone. Do you get an idea what happened? Yeah. You, you've been through this. Okay. So corners were being cut and they brought in non-union people so they could continue shooting. Uh, well, forget corners are being caught. The really important part of this sentence is they brought in non-union people so they could keep shooting. Folks, they were stopped in shooting. The crew had left. They were breaking down the gear. They were taking away the camera. She was out of a job already. She's not going to be able to shoot with non-union people. She couldn't even manage the crew she had, probably. You know, or was having trouble... Because they had to rush. Remember, they had to rush, rush, rush. Yeah. They had to rush because they fell behind. You have to read into this. Uh, you have to have actually done this, and then you know what I'm talking about. But I'm going to explain to you what I'm talking about. Baldwin, the film star who served as a producer of the film, apparently rehearsing a scene outside the church of the Bonanza Creek Ranch set, according to the knowledgeable people. Of, um, he was rehearsing a scene outside the Bonanza Creek set. The scene involved a gunfight that began in the church, and then Baldwin's character was supposed to back out of the church, according to the production notes of Tape by the Times, and it was the 12th day of a 21-day shoot. See? 12th day. Okay. The 12th day. So we're right in the middle. You know that Mike, producer Mike and I would always say the in a three-week shoot, it's going to be that Tuesday of that next week. That, that You know what I mean? It's going to be the 12th day. They're going to mutiny. And sure enough, they did. The Santa Fe... I, oh, it gets better. The Santa Fe County Sheriff's Office said deputies were dispatched to the Bonanza Creek Ranch movie set where filming was underway for the Western, the Western Rust. After calls to 9-11, Baldwin was star, staring at the movie in addition to... or starring in the movie in addition to serving as one of the producers. 
he wasn't just one of the producers. Baldwin was the boss. He he put the money up. I mean, he's got a lot on the line, man. You know, you, people are forgetting that. This, this writer is... Come on, guys. Sit down. Sit down, Dasha. No charges have been filed, but the sheriff's office said that witnesses continue to be interviewed by detectives. Baldwin said Friday he's fully cooperating with the police. There are no words to da 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 um, Production has been halted on the low-budget movie. They keep saying low-budget now, which began shooting this month. Folks, there's nothing low-budget about using SAG actors and union photographers and union... Um, electricians and grips and blah, 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 union everything and Bonanza Creek. There's nothing cheap about that. Okay? Right? Uh, but look at the torture they're putting the crew through. Not, you know, driving home tired, ragged, probably not uh, obeying the time. Another reason that we were able to, um, you know, get our shoot done is because we always honored overtime. Yeah. We always paid them their overtime. We did everything <clears throat> everything they wanted short of just outright bribing them to keep them going. And it's and, and yeah. then oh hitting oh yeah, okay. God. He wasn't the director, I mean the producer. I wonder who was actually directing it. Where's the director's statement? Was Baldwin directing it too? I don't think so. Was he doing everything? So, um, you know, they say this was during a, a rehearsal. So, mm. you, you know, I... I, I, uh, I doubt that. Uh, you know, I have my own... You, you know, how is she, Helena um, Hutchins, going to be with a new non-union crew that she doesn't, she's never worked with before that just suddenly gets stuck in there? How is she going to look to her crew members that are union? Are they? Is she going to want their hatred? Do you understand how that just can't fly, folks? You can't just be stuck with a bunch of non. Was Halina? Halina? Oh, I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing your name. Was Hal? Halina? Halina? Halina. So that was the round that hit the director okay. and killed the uh, DP. Having to work with these non-union association and what Alec gets mad at the DP and and just kind of fake shoots her, but it happens to be a real round. Uh, I don't know that that's going to be in the investigation, but that's all all I've got. I'm just saying that um, you know it's it's um, I don't know. Have I been? I, I agree with that that analysis of that guy um, that knows that there's only two companies that handled gun safety, and they weren't they weren't on uh, no two companies that make blank guns. The fire blanks. Blanks do not take uh, live rounds, you know, real rounds. Yeah. So it was an old gun. It was an antique gun, yeah. you know, a six shooter. Illegally. The old, yeah, no, but all those old guns are not set for blanks usually. Right. They're, they're, you know, they're, they're. Yeah, and how did it get on the set? Apparently there'd been, you know, but they're saying that they wanted more gun safety on the set. I don't think they even knew what was going on until finally it was too late. Um,. Okay, so now here I get a different story. They say the financiers for Russ's Santa Monica-based lender, Bolt Media Capital, founded in 2013 by Michael Helderman and Luke Taylor. According to the website, Bolt had finances movies through instruments, including gaps, loans, 
bridge loans, and tax credit financing. The company was primarily financed uh, low-budget movies, including Bruce Willis, Hard Kill, and other other low-budget uh, movies, um, etc. Uh, Bondit was particularly active in the COVID-19 pandemic, stepping into film with gaps as independent producers struggled to find backing for films. Well, you know, I'll say this. Um, if it's true that, um, if it's true, somebody has to put up the, uh, the actual initial capital because this kind of financing is based on, um, it, it's, it's based on collateral. So someone has to have, you know, a couple million in the bank or something to collateralize. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, so he's not going to just spend his own money and just write checks. He's going to go to this company. They're going to give a loan. The idea is he, because he's Alec Baldwin, he would have the movie sold. Uh, he just would put up money to guarantee it. I think that's what, I think that's, that's a confused point. There's a lot of uh, confused writing about. Well, I heard yesterday that he financed it, but I think what that means is he, he, Arranged the financing. He, he arranged the financing through collateral, which means he has a bank account, and they basically gave him either a letter of credit or a credit facility based on that collateral. But if you default, that collateral becomes, uh, they can take it. You know, I mean, you're still at risk. But, but yeah, you know, um, anyway, same thing, though, same thing. We've heard that, you know, he was the boss and that he was the one that put the principal financing up, which means bank account, which doesn't mean he's writing checks out of his bank account. So so it's not the same as some some low-budget films. And the reason that this company could be involved is because of his name, Alec Baldwin. So that's why they could extend and lower some of the risk because he's Alec Baldwin, meaning what that means is that company knows that the film will be sold before it's even out of the, you know, edited. So therefore, you know, they're able to, to, to extend that. So in a situation like this where they start losing money, usually they have another director come in to finish the film. You know, it, 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 it triggers a... Um, but from what I understand, Baldwin was the boss, you know. And anyway, this is just my opinion. And if, you know, now I've read three or four different... Three or four different... Um, articles and those three or four different articles are differ on who financed the film and um you know the the, the credit facility in santa monica is that's not the, the main financing that's the that's called gap loans bridge loans and tax credit financing understand so someone else had to actually put the principal dollars in but i've heard three or four stories now anyway i hope you enjoyed that i um Using a little bit of my own knowledge, you know, to bear on what was happening, though I have not done a, you know, like a studio worthy, this is like a studio low budget where you got a three week shoot, which is, you're going to go the studio union route. And you know, it's kind of amazing to me that they didn't have transportation for the crew. Yeah. Isn't that awful? most of the crew lives in Elm Creek. Um, well, we didn't, we don't treat our crews like in that. In the Gateway Pundit so. uh, article, you know, he's blaming... We were good to our crew. He's blaming, apparently, the crew or somebody who, ha like, why did somebody hand me a loaded gun? Yeah. He's blaming others for the fact that the gun was loaded. But, uh, 
It's weird. It's going to be a long process now. Mm-hmm. They're going to have to. So when a situation goes like this, people are going to lose money. You know what I mean? And they're just, there's just, it, it's just an amazing nightmare. I mean, it's so weird for me, folks, is that it's literally, we, we live literally just about on that film set. I mean, that is our neighborhood. Yeah. And I'm just thinking the curse of New Mexico, you know. New Mexico gets blessed with all this filmmaking, and they just can't wait to screw it up. I mean, it just, it would be, if, if filmmaking leaves and goes to mainly Arizona and Georgia and, you know, wherever else it's going, Texas, I I really wouldn't be uh, surprised if this begins a little bit of an exodus. Okay, let me give you a reason why I say that. We're going to do The Voice. And that's the next film. And we're going to do a documentary and then another thing coming up, but then we're going to do The Voice, you know, after a couple of other ventures. And um, and we have this whole launch of, uh, you know, um, The Quantum Devil, which is... uh, Coming up. Yeah, which is coming up, which I think you guys will really like. Uh, And this whole extending the whole quantum theory on into the next two as well the voice and and uh, dragon island which are big multi-million dollar and probably because of the way i shot my mouth off today maybe they won't even give me the money to do it <laughs> we're gonna have to go to abu dhabi or somewhere to to get somebody to kick in some money but uh or you guys we could do you know crowdfunding oh that's right i'm not really promoting uh, the zap report to get a big crowd going oh well I guess the Zeph report is this underground kind of like sneaky thing, you know, because we have no pressure on us. We can say what we need to say. We, we say what, whatever it is to say. And I, I just had to weigh in on this. We, um, but I don't want to film. I mean, I love the, 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 the backgrounds of New Mexico. And I, I, I envisioned when I was writing the script of the voice, I was envisioning Writing it in northern, you know, up around the, you know, Durango and southern Colorado and maybe, you know, southern Utah. Northern, northern New Mexico. Northern New Mexico, southern Utah, um, you know, that area up there, you know, right? And, um, you know, uh, up in, um, what's her name, the, um, you know, the great artist, uh, you know, Georgia, Ab- Georgia Abiquiu. Georgia O'Keefe. You know, Abiquiu. Mm-hmm. Those kind of beautiful vistas there and trying to get some of that in the movie. And now I'm thinking, well, I don't know what to don't think now. Don't give up on that idea. Yet. I'm not going to give up on that because now I realize the crew didn't have transpo, and I'm like, oh, first of, we first would never. On that low budget. Why didn't they have a, a van that would take them, you know, like a, a, you know, or a little bus that would just take them back and forth to Albuquerque? Why? So now I'm like siding with the crew here. So I started off being hostile because the, a lot of people were trying to take this issue and make it a political issue. And then the kind of giving Alec Baldwin a pass. Make it an anti-gun. Make it an anti-gun rather than, than Baldwin did something wrong. And I'm like, you know, he was the boss of this thing. Guys, the buck stops with him. He, he, he you know, He's going to try to, uh, you know, talk to a producer or something. You know, or say, oh, here's my producers over here. Here's a, I mean, he was the one that uh, put the guarantee up, put the collateral up, I mean, you know, to, to do the, to, to get the bridge financing for the film. That bridge financing, by the way, gets paid back as soon as they pre-sell 
to the markets because that already has a pre-sale value. So they already know what they're going to make. Yeah, because they have a name. Right. They know what they're going to They already know what they're going to make. Anyway, um, well, you know what? Maybe we should film it in Bonanza Creek. Right in the neighborhood, filming Bonanza Creek because it's got a, there's a haunted thing now. The DP haunts it. No, I don't know. I feel it's really tragic. If you look at her picture, it's it's. She looked uh, like a really nice person. Oh man, you know that's gonna that's gonna. Oh boy, but the DP. Hey, for you crew people out there, the DP is not your friend. She has to work with you to get you to cooperate for who you hate, which is the above the line, right? Labor versus uh, principal, you know, whatever the bosses. And if you think that there isn't a conflict there just built in, you're wrong. There is. Here's what I, the way I treat a crew. I make sure they get a lot of whiskey and Jack and, and uh, on Friday night for the grips, whiskey and uh, what beer do they like? Guinness, right? <laughs> and cigars. So then, and then you know you're, you you work during the week. The Friday night you're off, right? You get two days, then starting on Monday, and then also transportation. That's a given. With a generator, you have to hire the Teamsters. That's just a given. You have to do that. But I mean that uh, you know. And if you have to play with SAG, then you can go you know low budget. I just don't want to do that anymore. This low budget anything. I, I you know, I just feel we've really paid our dues, and, and we've done that. And we, But we did, like, here's what we had for the crew. We had Transpo. We had put them up um, at Airbnb and Hotel up in uh, Navasota. And per diem. They had per diems. They had full-on meals, great chefs. They had um, extra meal for extra time worked. Um, when there was anything wrong with a check or anything like that, if anything happened, um, you know, we, I'd be there to cover it and, you know, so that the person didn't have to suffer any, you know, problem. Um, and we were generally very, very pleasant. I, you know, it can never be fully pleasant because, you know, the minute we were having trouble with the DP, you know, we had people already that were starting to get restless and start thinking we should fire the director, too. <laughs> the director is a partner in this thing, so you're not going to fire him. And we love our director. So it's um, there, there's no winner here, you know, but I, I probably, you know, see, the problem with the crew is they start organizing for for to to leave to mutiny to sabotage and they know they have the power on a low budget film to wreck the film so they have you in a vice grip and then what i try to do is say okay well i given that how can we work it out and how can we work out i mean what do you need us to do and usually you know you can work something out it doesn't mean they're not going to get tired they're not going to get edgy they're not going to be you know, like they started trying to moralize. They, they eventually they got mad at the script because the script called for nudity and violence. You know, they they got into this trying to protect our actresses from the bad director and stuff like that. But and that's not their place. But but we got through it. And like I said, we had more footage. We actually had like a quarter too much footage. We shot that many scenes. And um, so I got to hand that over to the crew. I mean, they, they did make that possible. So 
it was a mixed bag with us, but the reason we were successful is because we didn't give up, number one. We kept it in prayer, always in solidarity, and always looking for a solution, not not this like, you do it my way or you're fired, you know what I mean? And I have a feeling that the ego on the set of this one, because you have famous people, uh, may have gotten out of control, and they might have threatened the union, and then the, the union walked out. They'd already were gone. They, they came back to dismantle the, the camera and stuff. It was done. The th- stick a fork in it. Let's face it. We're not getting the real story. Yeah. This thing that you don't have the crew coming back and instead of working, they're dismantling the gear, which this one report says. I don't know how accurate that is. But I can tell you this, that uh, the producers then threatened the crew. And said, you know, they were going to get the police. If you don't leave that alone, we're getting the police. Shit. So, uh, yeah, they wanted to shut the film down. And that's on them. The DP who got killed, she needs a feature film under her belt to move to the next level. And this was going to be that feature film. And it's a big tragedy. And Mr. Bully Loudmouth Baldwin, you know, I just say that, you know, politically, I've just been pretty much opposite of Alec Baldwin. I I don't really, you know, hate America. I don't really hate gun owners at all. Every gun owner I know is very responsible. Um, All the little things that he's mad about, Trump and this and that, I didn't hate Trump. I, you know, didn't get the... uh, vaccine thing, but it would never, you know, didn't hate him. I mean, look at where we are now. Following all these policies, we're in a, we're in basically a depression in, in months. We are a complete failure in every level, you know, and, and they, and they, and they feel like they're getting their utopia. So I, I've always been a little bit more common sense than that. There's something in me that likes fiscal responsibility, you know, being kind to other people if you don't agree with them. Um, you know, and it's up to you guys, you know, how much truth you want to say on Facebook. I'm, I'm of a mind that maybe I shouldn't say anything anymore because I mean, people are so uptight there. It's I just get banned so quickly. Trish lets her rip. She says five, what, what's on her mind. Five 30 day bans in a row. Now she's had five 30 day bans in a row and she's never <laughs> worn a mask. But I mean, that's Trish. Trish is just very fervent. Um, but I've kind of, you know, noticed that whenever I kind of loosen up and say something that's on my mind, I lose friends who are more or less politically correct. Yeah. Now, why would you? Why would you? Why would you leave me like? Why would you do that? You know, why would you? Are you afraid that your friends will see you talking, you know, next to someone that is saying something provocative, and you don't want that on your record? If you behave that way in life. You're going to wind up a loser. I'm just telling you. I'm just giving you the future of your life. You're going to wind up in nowhere. You're going to wind up lost. Well, Trump said it best. Everything woke turns to shit. Well, it's not just that. It's not just like politics. It's like, in general, if you don't at least speak your truth, you know, live your truth, who the the hell's life are you living? You're not living your life. You're not saying your piece. You're not presenting your arguments. You're not thinking about them. You're not using your mind. 
Who? What are you doing? You become a robot for this thing that doesn't even exist. Political correctness. Or woke, or whatever you want to call it. Cancel culture, whatever. It's basically communism. What right. So, you know, communism is dehumanizing because it doesn't want anyone to have their own point of view. And also, it's totally materialistic, and it's all about materialism, not about spirituality. It's anti-God. You, the only... I'll just say this, uh, and this is another truth. The only energy you're going to get, seriously, is it, it's really sustainable energy. Is going to come from the spiritual realm. It's going to come from acknowledging that we are spiritual beings existing in these bodies on a temporary basis, but our real truth is spiritual. And unless you can see that, and, that, and yes, I need to change a lot of things. Why? Because my life is spiritual. But saying my piece about something, you know, or lying about my opinion. Now, my opinion could change. I mean, you know, I'm not going to hold it against somebody that doesn't want to shoot their mouth off because they want to keep their job. But when you can't be friends with someone that you like, that you're friends with, because you're worried about what your boss will do, and or maybe even it's not a boss but a potential boss, or what people in the, quote, industry are going to say, that's a cheap, that's a, that's a wasted life, my friend. That's, that's, a, that's a waste of your talent. That's a waste of your, of your, of your opinion. That's a waste of your mind. I think people in the world need to hear from you, and they need to hear what you think. And that's and that that's why I had to quit the uh, New Mexico Film Group because it's all this bullying, you know, going on. Even now, they can't mourn this 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 nice woman. This you know, she looked like a great person, you know, just. Uh, you know, women in film, too, you know, women breaking that glass ceiling and getting that DP job. <sighs> anyway. Um, God bless you. I'm, um, I'm, I'm going to go com commune with God now. Can I play this song, Ether, just one second of it? I can't. No. Well, folks, I want to tell you one thing. How are you? You glad to have a little truth on a Sunday? What is it today? Saturday or Sunday? <clears throat> on a Saturday morning? Saturday. Yeah. We're kind of on our way home. Well, you know, does it even matter what form the truth takes? If you have like a little analysis of the Bonanza Creek shooting. God, it sounds like a Western. Shooting at Bonanza Creek, right? The shooting at Bonanza Creek. The shooting in the backyard of Zeph and Trish. <laughs> uh, but doesn't the truth sound good? I mean, now, you're getting mainly my opinion because I need to verify with more facts. You know, like, like we said, we had uh, Alec Baldwin being the main financier of it. Then we have this other company that's bringing bridge loan in. Then we have another company, I'm sure, doing a pre-sale, you know, a sales company. And I'm sure that's all in place, too, before they started shooting. But here's the thing. I gave you my analysis based on being on the set and seeing what it's like. When the crew walks off like that, you know, and when they're rushing to get it done, you know they're behind the, and the crew is tired. Do you think they were paying the crew the overtime that they had deserved? It sounded to me like they weren't. And so the crew did have a right to walk off. 
In other words, the walking off, I'm putting that in the Alex Bal Alec Baldwin camp. That's the producer's fault. Because even we, in a, in a, with a crew that didn't like our script of Girl Next, and they didn't like, they didn't like us too much, even with that, we were able to shoot right up to the last day just because we stayed in prayer. I mean, you know, Larry would wear like a, a, a T-shirt with scripture on it, and all the witches in the crew were like, ew, oh, God. You know, so there was some of that. But we got, th we, you know, managed to get through it. And, and all low-budget movies end up like this. That's why you don't see that many of them out there. Because it winds up being a complete debacle. It's a war. It's like going to, you know, Vietnam or something. It's a battle. Only with that. It's a, it's a spiritual battle. It's a mental battle. When you have millions of dollars and time to shoot details and to shoot inserts and to shoot, you know, having the drone fly around and get all these, you know, mega angles of the actors so that no matter how you cut it, they're going to be like smooth like butter. You know, they're going to look totally rocking it professional, right? No matter how bad an actor they are. Well, no, that can't, that's not exactly true, but you know, even if they're not the greatest actor. Um, you know, it's a different, a different thing. You don't have that pressure on you. And I think that pressure, though, can help you to do better work than just being coddled by a studio. So, I don't know. Those are my opinions. I'm not really the most veteran filmmaker. I've you know, been there enough, but I've been in, the, I've been in the, 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 the leader's seat. So I can tell you from my perspective what it looked like to me. And it looked like the debacle had happened a few days before. In fact, if I'm not mistaken, it was a few days before that they mutinied, isn't it? And they were going to return. They were going to return back on that Thursday morning, but they already walked out, didn't they? Before the shooting, yes, folks, is that true? That's how it sounds. Okay, so we have the story that they they walked out before the shooting occurred. Okay. That changes the whole story about rehearsing. Now, if they did bring in non-union to be uh, running the camera and then he was rehearsing in front of the camera, they had to rush, 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 and they lost the crew, and the crew was trying to take the uh, gear back to the rental place or whatever. Um, well, that just sounds terrible. That just sounds to me like... Um, you know, the, 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 it would be very frustrating if you were the boss of the show, which I believe Alec Baldwin was, and if you were the boss of the show and you saw yourself uh, mutinied on, and it's not even, you know, beginning of week number two, and you're trying to negotiate to get them back by Thursday, you've lost at least, you know, you've lost several days. And then you shoot the DP, because let's face it, the DP is probably saying... I want my crew to work with. I'm not going to work with a no-budget, uh, a uh, non-union crew. So let's see if someone develops some motivation. And other than that, unless there's new information, I don't have anything else to say except um, I don't think Hollywood really knows how to make, you know, low. I think when they go low-budget, they, they to us, that would be a, a, a nice, huge budget. You know what I mean? Their idea of low-budget and a true indie low budget are two different things. But still, we drove our crew. Didn't, if I'm not mistaken, Trish, didn't we drive them from uh, the uh, 
the house in Navasota. Didn't we drive them? Okay. No, wait. Just show me how to do it. Okay. Are you me? Yeah. Uh, Dagamore. Okay. Okay. So we're going <laughs> to... Oh, I see. Oh, poor fellow. Uh, where was the... Uh... Okay. Oh, let's see. There's a... Uh, I, could, I couldn't see the tool. No. <clears throat> well, what I, do I do? Well, I, I, I'm going to have to take a break here in a sec. I'm pretty much done here. I just want to give my take from, you know, on that. I, I think also there is another thing that all these things are like spiritual wars. You know what I mean? And uh, there's there's just a lot of emphasis on materialism. You know? um, okay. Can you do time. it? From yours? Oh, I could. I might be able to. We're just looking something up here. So. <clears throat> anyway. Same old, same old. You know. It's uh, it's amazing how people want to squelch uh, people from um, you know being <laughs> in scholarship. Uh, well, you know, just uh, let's see if I can. Got it, baby. No, I'm not really. I'm just trying to. Oh, I see. I see. Okay. Um, what what is um, is uh, what was I going to say here? I've lost my train of thought here. You guys, you guys have made me lose my train of thought. Um, so what what? Okay, I, you know, let's just uh, go on here. Let me finish. Okay. All right. He's harassing people. Not sure he was being very nice earlier. Uh, why don't we just give him a chance? Give peace a, ch a chance. A chance. Okay? That's my, that's my gut. Listen, let's, uh, let me bring back the, uh, the show here. So, folks, we're just, um, you know, on the road, and, uh, I, you know, thought I'd bring up this thing that happened. I know there's going to be a lot of debate. A lot of people are going to want to jump on Alec Baldwin and make him a scapegoat, and a lot of people are going to want to make the gun issue the main issue. And um, 
They probably will finish the movie. They might finish it with someone else. I don't know. All I know is it just sounds bad. It just feels real bad because I've been involved in in in, in film, you know, and and with the crew and everything. And it just it just there's no way that it just feels bad all the way around. And between the crew and the producers, there never will be communication. Let's face it. It's always going to be the crew versus the producers, the producers versus the crew. It sounds like here, the producers tried to get the crew to work for nothing or to work for low wages and, you know, and, and a lot of stress. And um, it sounds like the crew is using COVID restrictions and gun restrictions, you know, to, to say they want to tighten it, give it to, find an excuse to leave, but they were probably exhausted from that drive back and forth. Um could that be this is a lose-lose situation? And could it be that maybe Alec Baldwin, with all his uh, bullying with people and threatening to kill people and threatening to harm people, could it be that maybe a bully's gotten a little bit of a punch in the nose? And at the same time, isn't it awful that there was an up-and-coming DP that you know went through, she went through AFI, same as David Lynch. And so she was on her way. And so that makes it even more tragic. Um, but it, it's it's hard for me to imagine that a DP would just use, an, you know. I mean, I, I know when we flew in ours and, and to replace the one we had, he had to work with the crew, but the crew got along with him fine. You know, maybe, maybe she would have done that. But to me, it sounds like a film that was behind they started barking orders, speed up, speed up, speed up. They weren't moving fast enough. They started cutting corners. People started getting frustrated. And by week number two, as producer Mike always says, the beginning, the Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday, week number, was it week number two in a three-week shoot? The insurrection never fails. And so it finally broke down. This is why, you know, I... I I think it's very stressful doing what you're trying to do this, especially if you're trying to squeeze, you know, a lot of money into paying all the union dues. And I, I don't know. I uh, going over to Serbia for me, from like an exec producer point of view, was a uh, was a real blessing. And. Um, I can't solve it. I, I, the only way that here's a a new report from Gateway Pundit. Okay, they're saying that uh, Alec Baldwin's negligent discharge, unhinged actor may face involuntary manslaughter charges. Right, that's what I said today. Involuntary manslaughter. Did I say voluntary manslaughter? Okay, involuntary. What I meant was involuntary manslaughter, and also a civil suit, a wrongful death by her family will file a wrongful death uh, lawsuit on him for some millions of dollars. But see, he's the guy that's the boss. See, you got to keep going back to, to where the buck stops with the boss. He's the guy that was, you know, putting himself at risk. Because I had heard about Rust a long time ago, and it didn't get off the ground. It's supposed to be a bigger production. Well,
Yeah, no, there's uh, one of the comments here says, um, loading guns on movie sets isn't the way to go, people. Well, loading guns on movie sets by people that know what they're doing with guns, if we were talking blanks, I think um, basically it's, you know, we well, we fired a lot of guns in Girl Next, and, and it was handled by actually, um, this guy actually really knew what he was doing, and we're very grateful to him for that. Uh, and really gave us, because uh, see, without that fire, you can't get that sound. Um, did he, uh, I'm just going to ask the guy, this guy in the chat room, did he, did the, did the bullet go into her, into her, into her head? Is that where it went? Oh man, that's, that's horrible. Anyway. I don't know the answer as to whether he was, you know, messed with. I'm just saying the tension in that situation of not making the days, right? Okay. Falling behind. Here's here's a, a little update. A talented cinematographer is dead because at least two people did not follow the fundamental rules of gun safety. Right. Alec Baldwin and the assistant director who handed him the firearm. Okay, the AD. All right, so the AD is supposed to run the set, all right? The AD runs the set. So the AD is... What's the AD, what's the AD doing with a gun in the first place? Right. The oh. whole thing The whole thing is totally negligent. Uh, but you're not understanding. It's the backdrop of failure, of yeah. falling behind, of pressure. And that's, that's what's happening. This was not a misfire. A misfire means when you pull the trigger, you hear a click but no bang. The ammunition malfunction or the firing pin on the pistol was not working properly. There's no such thing as an accidental discharge. If a firearm is fired unintentionally, it is negligence. Gun accidents are caused by only two things, ignorance or carelessness. Well, no, I mean, when we had a gun guy, we had blanks, okay? And we had, we had like a AK-47. We had a... a <clears throat> we had some handguns we had we had real real fire shotguns we did have that because we had our skeet shooting scene so we had that we had uh but the most dramatic was the ak-47 sound that that gives off and the only way you can get that is you need that blank you need that uh, live fire to really get that sound i mean that sound you know it, when you try to fake it in post-production really doesn't um you know, happen, but, you know, it's, um, anyway, it's something we're going home to, and I'm sure we'll all be dealing with this for a long time. It's a distraction from what's going on, you know, uh, again, we have to throw off the authoritarian, we have to overthrow the authoritarian government, which is the shadow government of the world, and so we're kind of busy with that right now. They have to be overthrown, they have to fall apart, yeah. and they will fall apart. And the reason they're going to fall apart is because we get a lot of information online. We were getting a lot of information about what's going on, about COVID, about the, you know, the, uh, the uh, I don't know what you call them, the gene shots, the, the, the poison shots. We're getting a lot of information about all that and, um, and about, say, ivermectin and all these things. They didn't think that any ivermectin is... Yeah, okay, so Crystal is saying, hey, you guys, I'm in the chat room. I'm just looking it over. And, uh, you know, it, it's cool. Hey, listen, 
Um, so Crystal says, girl next is pro-self-defense. It, it, it is pro-self-defense. And um, she starts a self-defense school in the end. Of course, it's all, you know, caught up with trauma and programming and is it really real or not? And that's, you know, a uh, one of the features of the movie that's kind of makes it into the supernatural or horror genre. <clears throat> but um, it's not anti-gun. I mean, it's it's sort of... You know, all these things are here, you know what I mean? People having sex, people doing all kinds of things, you know, doing drugs, doing, you know, uh, traumatizing each other, abusing each other. They're just here. We're just kind of like swooping in in the middle of a, of a situation out in the middle of the nowhere in Texas. And here it's going on again. And if, if anything, it proves that the only real solution has got to be spiritual. It, it, it has to be, right? The, the, the character in Girl Next, she got inspired from above, and that was like our, you know, you guys all know the language, so you know the lion, the lion is Lion of Judah, right? So there's that inspiration from above, and, um, you know, uh, basically, that if, if we live just as materialists, if we live just as materialists, first of all, I can't do that, because I need, you know, some help. But last night, let me let me tell you what happened last night. Last night I had dreams of true horror. I mean, the remember the horror of the alien in the room? That that horror of the eyes looking at me and looking right through me, that thing? Okay, I experienced that only even worse. Oh, no. Um, I, uh, it was like I was in a room and there was a presence there and I couldn't see them, but they were looking right through me. You know what I mean? Just right through me, like the alien type of thing, only not with the, the little creature with the eyes. And uh, it, it drilled me, it, it tapped into a fear within me that was really deep down, a very, a very frightening feeling that's beyond, you know, just that instinct would bring up that was beyond what my mind could, could really even handle. And um, it had to do with... Uh, you know, probably it had to do with um, witchcraft attacks, which I know I was going through last night. And, um, you know, it's funny. I, I tried a um, quantum healing method where there was a, a, a machine. And I can't really even explain what it is, but it it scans your body for frequencies. And then it tries to reset the frequencies. And then it also points out where you're low, where you need help. You know, in, in different parts of your body, and you know your, you know, you know whether you know, your lungs, your spleen, you know your prostate, your this, your that, your spine, your, you know everything. And once you scan a person, and you've gone through the scan, you know, a couple of times, and it's trying to write some things that are wrong by putting the right frequency in you, a person can run that same scan from an infinite amount of miles away, and it still affects you which is the exact test of quantum mechanics, right? Quantum physics. And um, proves quantum physics to be a reality. And, and so when it was being run, as I was away from the machine, like a long ways away, um, it, uh, I could feel this bump up in energy and this, I could feel the... Um, the vibrational change, if you will, or the frequency changes within me that like feeling a better sense of well-being, 
put it that way. And I could feel it. I could feel it. It actually has motivated me to really want to to learn about this, you know, because I understand that we are a lot more than just three-dimensional creatures, you know what I mean? We're multi-dimensional. And we have many, many capabilities and many things that we have to learn that are way beyond, you know, the logic we've been given and the misinformation we've been given in schools and things like that. And this one thing is one of them, this idea of using these frequencies, this thing that scans and aligns with different frequencies. Like, for example, you know, like your lungs would be a different frequency, your heart would be a different frequency, you know, each thing would be a different frequency. And then to be able to feel the difference from hundreds of miles away as they're running the scan on me and I'm and I'm feeling it. And then I said to myself, I'm like, well, that's why prayer works. Because prayer is exactly the same thing. You're you're you don't know what the frequencies are, but you're trusting God to touch that person and to heal them. You know what I mean? And that would then assume all those frequencies. Well, what if God is showing us a new technology medically that's based on quantum physics, quantum mechanics, that can heal us with frequency rather than, say, medicines or big pharma? Isn't that then moving up the scale to a higher level? Isn't that then getting away from this low base 1930s Nazi thing they're trying to do? Isn't that, wouldn't that have an effect on the world of governments and things? If I was to move up, then it would have to move up because the micro is the macro. Not that I'm responsible for everything that's happening, but that there's some there's something, a truth here at work that higher consciousness is going to equal, you know, peace rather than tyranny. And I just want to work on that. I've, I've, I've you know... It's going to cause me to go into more prayer, too. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, this frequency thing, it's blown my mind. I'm absolutely um, I'm absolutely convinced it works. And not only that, like, if you've been a, any kind of, like, there have been people that have been practitioner with uh, homeopathics, like, say, Bach flowers, things like that, and those are based on frequencies, too, that, well, they didn't have a kit. They didn't have their homeopathic kit where you have you know your various homeopathic usually in a liquid tincture that you put it under your tongue right and then it's hit or miss you know if you're really intuitive and you're if you that's the right frequency you need to address then you know what i mean then good you'll get a benefit but this thing can do what that does without having to ingest anything it can zero in on where you need the work like for example you may be in a terrible fear-based thing, like your stomach is feeling like it's sinking and you feel upset in your stomach and you, you feel frightened of what's outside. You feel frightened, of, you know, just in general, fright. Fear is really... Uh, and fear, yeah, fear. And then That's how they you got. figure out what frequency it is and you run this, this scan or whatever, you figure out what you need to do. You change that frequency... And that fear is gone. And then the effect of what the world is to you or what's presented to you changes. Like what we saw with the Mandela effect, only now we're in command. We're in the driver's seat. I think we may be, there's something there that, I think this may be the next phase of medicine, really. 
And of course, Big Pharma can't make any money off of it. And I know that they will fight tooth and nail to keep us tied down in this system. Um, but I'm just, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm kind of, because I'm feeling it this morning. I'm actually feeling this benefit. I started out with this tired thing where I've been struggling with this tired thing for like the last year or something. It's just been this, I don't even know what. But now, even after doing the show, which usually, you know, wears me out. I hate to say it, but it, it, it's a, I feel an upsurge of energy right now as we speak. And, um, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, it's like something I'm just learning about. But it's it's makes so much sense. I didn't realize they were so far along with these machines. It looks like an iPad. The machine. It's like an iPad, and you you know you dial in the person and take a picture and dial in some facts about that person, and you have it. And then you put on these this headphone thing. This it, it's like a brainwave thing, and then you run the scan yourself a couple of times first. You know by wearing this headset, and, and you run it. Then after that, it can be run remotely. What? Is that then proving? It's, it's so, if that's true, then how many other things could be true? <laughs> Save America, change, change the world. Well, uh, to Kanita, now that, now that I've learned how to get into the chat room, now you guys better watch out. I'm on you. You better say something nicer. <laughs> I have the power. The power. But, uh, yeah. So for Kanita's ramble, he says that uh, fasting, yeah, I, well, you can find out about it through me because I'm learning about it now. And um, I'm, you know, the, the, I'm going to, I need to learn more about it. Um, but yes, I'd like to get one of these, uh, these iPad things. And, um, you know, start using that instead of, um, even supplements are kind of a gross thing. You know I mean? It's like you're putting a sub, you're putting a food into your system to affect your organs and your thing. And I, I'm, I'm saying, okay, that I understand that I've been doing a lot of supplements on the road here, but this just seems like light years ahead of that. Instead of treating yourself with a food or something you ingest, that's a process for your digestion system and, you know, then getting the nutrients out to the nerves and the cells and whatnot. Uh, what if it could be instantaneous? Like, I went through an adjustment through this scan. I'm like, whoa, now I want to do the whole health thing. I mean, I'm now, it's, that's the way it's going to be. Uh, you know, let's go. Because, I mean, I, I admit the last couple of years I probably drank a lot of um, my pains away. And that's just, that's not going to get me down. The, that's that's probably, if I don't knock that shit off, it's going to, that'll be the end of it. So, um, yeah, so I'm looking for an alternative. <laughs> and I think, I think uh, there's something here. And, you know, I, I never really liked the Bach flowers because, see, the Bach flowers, and a lot of people say, well, that's witchcraft because the witches all use the flowers. And I, well, you know, God puts things here, you Call yourself whatever you like. I mean, I don't do anything in the name of Satan or you know witchcraft or materialism. But one thing I know about the Bach flowers is it, 
I, it was, for me, it was a lot of hit and miss, you know? And then I realized that unless you're perfect, like almost in a fasted state of health. No, no, Dashi. Unless you're perfect, the, um, you can't really be tuned in on that, on that level for the, uh, for the homeopathic to work. I mean, you need to be perfect. And if you're treating somebody else, then you're using your intuition to think of what they might need, or you're going into the spiritual realm and, you know, you're asking God, Lord, please guide me to what they need, you know, prophetic healing, which I also am a big believer in. And I've been, you know, asking for healing one way or the other for the last 20, 25 years. Uh, you know, and, you know, I've been, uh, I would like to become a paragon of health before this is all over because, well, it's not ever going to be all over for me. This is just, this is just the beginning. <laughs> but I, you know, I've, I've, uh, yeah, the, the last few years, I would say, since my daughter's death have been, even though I put a you know good face on it and I, you know, got back into doing a couple of films and everything, trying to, you know, do something and, you know, and, and that just that brought a lot of a lot of stress for one thing, but trying to you know do something and be proactive and uh, keep this effort report going, keep you know, and then try to expand into some other projects and other things. Um, it's like uh, it still hasn't been a healing. It's still you know what I mean deep down, still not okay. Still there's some kind of like what I would say with me is some kind of fear, some kind of disappointment, some kind of, um, you know, a feeling that I really never got the story out. Um, Dasha, please. Anyway, anyway, I, I never really dealt with things the you know the way they should have been dealt with and. And, uh, you know, I, I trivialized some of the traumas so that I could just, you know, put a better face on it and get through it, you know what I mean, rather than dealing with uh, the actual horror of, of, of certain things that happened. And it would be great if we could just, like, you know, get beyond all that and have, like, a, like a clean slate. <laughs> And, uh, you know, at the same time, not uh, be running away from anything. Anyway, folks, I'm glad you've uh, tuned in on this. I've, I've um, got really, there's really, you know, if I learn anything else, I'll let you know. But I think it's, 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 it's there, there really is no glamour in, in movie making. I think the glamour is in the finished product. But in the way the sausage is made, it's a pretty, can, it can be, you know, um, you know, can bring out the worst in people. It can also bring out the best in people. I mean, I'm, but it's a, it's a task. It's not a, uh, you know, it's not a, not a joy ride. And, and it can, you know, it can, you can go in out of the frying pan into the fire, so to speak. If you thought you were going to like, you know, get to work and that'll be good. Oh, I'm working now. That's good. You know what I mean? It's like, oh no. And other people are doing what they're doing. And, and I'm not sure that's a, that's, that's, you know, the, the thing, I'm not allowed to play you a song that I'm, it's going to be in the Quantum Devil, and I produced it with um, our 
award now award-winning composer Colin McGinnis in England and a wonderful singer named Katie Brooks. And uh, we have a song that goes on the end credits, and it was a great collab with these guys. And um, I was so devastated when I heard the full mix and a, and a guy mixing Luke McPeak from there. And, and I, after I heard the full mix, I heard about 30 seconds of it. I, I was just bawling my eyes out. It's really powerful. Oh. It's very powerful. I mean, and I, you know, talking is nothing. You have to hear it for yourself. So we're just going to have to not have it. But that, I did produce a song. It's just that the kind of stuff I'm producing now is going to be like not so personal, but more, you know, more useful to, uh, to you know, our, our future projects, whatever those are. I mean, remember, we're in a, a quantum inflection point where we're either going to go into this fourth dimensional kind of peaceful thing, or we're going to be under this tyranny, which is almost going back to the second dimension, you know? And it's just this, but, but look, the future favors, you know, going up, Amen. not going down. Amen. And, um, as hard as it may seem, I think we all put our mind to that. You know, and then that's when the scriptures really come alive too. When you have the Holy Spirit, you're not you're in a heightened state of awareness. And you hear things and you read things. I had a scripture the other day that was just so powerful. I'm like that I must have read this thing a million times, but it was just resonating, you know what I mean? And the truth will resonate with any any medium. Like it'll resonate with the uh the healing, the quantum healing, it'll resonate with um thoughts you might have had or resonate with something someone said to resonate with all kinds of things and um, I think the truth setting us free means freedom from ultimately what it means is freedom from death there is no death and they go, they go well, well you go to sleep and then nothing happens and you're unaware and it's like well I'm not sure I'm not sure. I just know that, no, I'm not going to put a poison, I guess we call we don't call it vaccines anymore, what do we call it? The, the poison jab? The, the Death jab. The death jab. Well, we don't, yeah, we don't call it that anymore because... And a lot of people lately it's not are, a vaccine. are being threatened at their work if they don't get the jab mandated by, uh, you know, illegally, that they're going to lose their job. Well, you got to fight it, people. You really got to fight it. You know, do your your exemptions, your religious religious exemptions, etc. That was a heartening uh, tale that Govinda told us the other day about that the biggest oil company in Canada, uh, yeah, wanted to mandate it, and uh, some people who really knew what they were doing uh, fought it, and basically came after and and demanded that various uh, things were to be followed. I'd like to find out more about that protocol of, because, of, uh, you know, we have personal friends who are are going through this right now, having to fight this. I just have the feeling it's going to fall apart. I hope so. Quickly, quickly, Lord. We've already seen Delta and, you know, others, and because and they, they, they need to keep flying. 
And uh, this is not an issue that should be divided among the political. This really what should happen is a bunch of people should go to jail for launching a poison uh, process on us without FDA, uh, without the rigor of the FDA. And, and they say that it's FDA approved. And it's, it's not FDA approved. It's not. it's not. It never has been, and it hasn't gone through its trials yet. Yeah. And to use the human body as experimentation totally uh, is like being Joseph Mengele in Nazi Germany. This Fauci guy, these people need to be, you know, basically tried, you know, convicted and executed, period. Yeah. Right? It's crimes against humanity. Not, not you know, put in a nice, cushy little prison. No. You know, you lose your, your I think there's a certain line you cross. And when you kill a bunch of people, or it's because of you that they died... I think you're you're liable, and even even if you don't get caught with a court of law and something like that, you know God will get you. Yeah, you're gonna pay. Fauci's gonna pay every cent. He's gonna pay, and Gates and and Soros and the rest of them they're gonna pay. Believe me, that's the the thing that's in there right now. That, that this this uh, hydra of evil, this 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 demonic force that's in Washington, this horrible abomination that has happened, the stealing of an election and then in, in, in imposing a almost like a you know martial law police state uh, and then causing everybody to not be able to move around because of jacking the price of oil up, then saying you have no solution when you yourself did it. This thing must be removed. Mm-hmm. And whoever supports that thing must be adjudicated. And whoever created it. Right. And we know who right, that was. Right, right. Anyway, the people aren't going to put up with it much longer. I think the people are already rising up. If you look around the world, if you look in uh, Budapest, and you look in um, you know Spain, and you look in France, you look in even Australia, you look here, people are not going to put up with it with the, with any more of this uh, stuff with the, uh, with the with the with the with the uh, companies and with their you, you know forcing people to take poison shots. To work there, which means they won't work there very long, knowing the actuarials that those people may have to be replaced in five years, and then wanting to get the jab anyway. That person. We want to know who you are. We want to know who you are that are that sadistic and awful, or who think you should live and everyone else should die. We want to know who you are. We want to know you who think those kind of thoughts, because those are not thoughts based on common sense. You know, that's thoughts based on mental illness. And I won't even go, you know, that's actually a kind of way of putting, you know, psychopathology. Yeah, these psychopaths need to be stopped. Well, they're being stopped by being called out. Yeah. I mean, that's the main thing. You call them out and they get stopped. Yeah. You know, they call them out and they, they break up their thing. You know, Biden is sitting there bullying people with half of with no brain, and yeah. bullying them to take the jab, or you don't work. Take the jab, you know. And I don't acknowledge people's freedom. Take the jab, or else, I mean, we're going to bomb you, or something like that. He's on that level. I know. It, Meanwhile, he's molesting children right in front of everybody. Right. They're watching women get raped, and they're well. That's mainly the left. Let's face it; it's not. You wouldn't do that if you saw someone getting raped. You'd, you'd pile on and, and do what you could to save that person. Course. You wouldn't sit there watching someone getting raped, would you? Unless you're, you know, some kind of really 
programmed sort of leftist stooge will do that. And it's worldwide, this apathy that uh, the left has towards lawlessness. Uh, Just yesterday in the Netherlands, Aleph was telling me he was uh, biking, and there was a young woman that was biking. She got hit by a car. She flew like, you know, 20 feet in the air, and all the people around her were just filming it with their cell phones. Nobody was going up mm-hmm. to check on her uh, except him. And um, he stopped the guy. The, the guy wanted to escape, the guy that hit her. He was trying to drive away, and Aleph uh, got his bike in front of him, and he told him to park. He, he t- indicated where the guy should park, and the guy was not going to be able to move without Aleph dealing with him. And, um, you know, this, and then the apathy of all the people that were just filming and going, oh, do you need an ambulance? Asking the girl who was the victim without even checking on to see how she was doing. I mean, uh, you're making me mad, Trish. It's insane. It's insane you're how people. Mad. It's like that that woman that got raped on the on the train. They're all filming it, and nobody's you know trying to stop it. Well, that's the conditioning from Klaus Schwab. There's went, your great he, reset. He went. That, that train went 27 stops. Yeah. Through that rape, twenty-seven people getting off and on, and it wasn't until a policeman got on and he stopped it. But can you imagine? I would hate to be those people when bad things happen to them. Gosh. Okay, guys. Well, enough of that. Have a blessed day, and uh, we'll be on on the flip side, and there'll be more about the quantum healing ideas. I'd like to really kind of maybe now I'm seeing how I'd like to pioneer that um, here at the Zeph Report, the, uh, the the quantum healing. We call it quantum healing because it's non-locational healing. And I suppose it's like sending good vibes to people, but you know something? Good vibes have never seemed specific. You know, you know not like this. This is very specific. Specific to different organs, different things, and... Let's see how it goes. You know, let's not draw conclusions. And just like we're not going to draw conclusions on Alec Baldwin, whether he's guilty or innocent, or, you know, I tend to think it was, uh, he didn't know it was loaded. He wasn't going to shoot somebody. I, I think that's reasonable to think that until, unless you can prove that the other way, that's kind of where I'm going to fall on it. Um, the, 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 the grist, the, the, the enmity, the, 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 the hatred between the crew and the producers, has to me in my mind is you know usually the unions handle that so that there isn't just outright hatred but this has always been a thing between labor and executives and labor and, and the corporation bosses there's always been that antipathy and I don't think you're ever going to get rid of that but you know what Alec Baldwin has always been such a hothead I I really think. Because he's spoiled. He's always been spoiled. He's never had to account for anything or atone for anything. He's always he's always been given a pass. He was always a he did a great job acting and what was it that uh that David Mamet play that became a movie? Um Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. Mm-hmm. He did the performance of a lifetime. Yeah. Academy Award level all the way. And he's never really come up to that level since. I mean, you know, he's everyone just kind of gave him a pass and then he's just been this famous guy. But he's never really had to prove himself. He's never lost a job. He's never had to struggle. He's always had Alec Baldwin as his name. He could always make money. 
And guys like that tend to get, that are coddled like that, tend to get really, really spoiled where you yell at a lot of people, you know, rather than uh, realizing you've got something to do with, the, with, 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 you, with, you, with you, the, your shit doesn't stink. I mean, he used, he's used to getting his way all the time, you know. Used yeah. to getting his way all because so he's spoiled. Maybe yeah. this will be a healing for him that he'll actually have to deal with the consequences of his actions and his negligence. I mean, because it's definitely negligent. I would say it's, he's got negligent he's, homicide. Maybe, or at the very least, he's got a wrongful death uh, from the family that can be very expensive, and um, things are not going to be the same in Bonanza Creek for a while. Yeah. Hope you understand that. <sighs> I may not film there. You know, New Mexico is cursed. Let's break the curse. Well, there's an old curse. It's an old kind of an Indian thing. Let's break the curse. Yeah, but it's kind of justified, though. In Jesus' name, we can break the curse. It's justified, the curse. It's not really from the European white men. It's from the Spanish, where the atrocities happened. But... Anyway, we I'm not expecting people to know history, so Well, we've discussed that in the graveyard, the bones under the pool. And yeah, that we we lived through that. Yeah. Mhm. Mm the cross of the martyrs really should be called the cross of the of the women and children that were slain by the Spanish soldiers on that hill. But he who wins history gets to write history. See you guys in the next one. God bless you each and every one and have a great time. Well, if you can't have a great time, try to be silly. To Right? Be a little bit silly. Okay. Onward.
Across the way